We're carrying burdens, all of us are. Paul says one of the chief ways in which our burdens are addressed is not just this way, vertically, but it's this way flowing through our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to help carry those burdens. Hello and welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring Bible teacher and author, Dr. Crawford Loritz. We're in a series of messages looking at the importance of the one another phrases found in the New Testament. And we're learning that these one another's are important because they stress the need for caring and supportive connection within the body of Christ. Join us for this insightful study. If you're new to Living a Legacy, Crawford has served in teaching, mentoring, and pastoral roles for over 48 years. His books include Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, A Passionate Commitment, and Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, co-authored by Crawford's wife, Karen. Well, so far in our series, we've looked at loving one another, forgiving one another, clothing ourselves in humility toward one another, and today, bearing one another's burdens. At the end of our program, I'll tell you how to listen to these former helpful and challenging messages. Let's jump right into today's teaching from Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. The title of the series is Better Together, and we're focusing on, on nine of the 59 one another's in the New Testament. These one another's in the New Testament uh, represent the composite holy spiritual culture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. What it is to be about, that we're not only connected with Jesus this way vertically, but we're connected to one another. And see, this is a little bit strange here in the West because we have, you've heard me say this a ton of times, we have marketed a brand of, of a hyper-independent, individualized Christianity, where it's just me and Jesus. But there is no healthy there is no healthy Christian living. There is no health, and I use a 10 cent word, sanctification or growth in the Christian life apart from the calibration of context and community. We are members one of another. We belong to each other. And so, so these one another's are given as divine holy outlets where we can sense and feel the love of the Lord Jesus Christ coming through our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Those of us who have come to know Christ as Savior and Lord, we all share, <laughs> Peter would call it, in the divine nature, we are more related to one another than we are to our flesh and blood. And so we live out these one another, and they're, they're outlets to help us to be everything that we need to be. Now, there's another reason why we do that, and it's not just from an ingrown perspective. We do that, the one another's are given so that we, re we model to a watching world what wholesome, healthy, transformed Christianity looks like. It gives a portrait to the world, not of a dysfunctional Christianity, but of a wholesome Christianity, and it becomes inviting. We become the moral destination at which the culture needs to arrive. Now, I began the first of the one another's by focusing on uh, Romans chapter 12, that great line that we should love one another with brotherly affection. And I happen to believe that, that love is the foundation or the context of all of these other one another's. 
It can be argued that all of these other one another's that we will talk about or that's given in the New Testament is an explanation or an exposition on a particular aspect of love. It's an outlet of love. Now, I point this out and I will continue, we will continue to point this out, that love in the scriptures is not just sentimentality. Actually, love in the scriptures, agape particularly in the scripture, has to do with sacrifice. It has to do with sacrifice. Any expression of love that does not deal with sacrifice is nothing more than sentimentality. Love is costly. Love is expensive. Just like parenthetically, unity in the scripture is expensive. Unity involves sacrifice. It does not involve a negotiated relationship and let's build some win-win scenarios. Unity in the Bible involves sacrifice. So it is with love. It's expensive. And each one of these one another's is costly. And so I, I, I say that biblical love is this. Biblical love means to disadvantage myself for the comfort of another. And so these one another's cannot exist apart from that. Now we come to this great text over here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. And there is a crisp, clear statement that the apostle Paul makes. He says, bear one another's burdens bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The verse assumes that we all have burdens, and that's true. We all have loads that we're carrying, burdens that we're carrying, um, you know, temptation, consequences of sin and bad choices, physical ailments, family crisis, and challenges, and even demonic oppression. Everybody has something that is heavy for them. And what, what Paul says, one of the chief ways in which our burdens are addressed is not just this way vertically, but it's this way flowing through our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to help carry those burdens, help to carry those burdens. Now, for sure, um, I, I quote Warren Wiersbe here. Uh, the Bible teacher and scholar, he says that the loving spirit-led Christian thinks of others and how he or she can minister to others. And that's what our role is. And that's the assumption behind this statement, behind the command here in Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now the question is, how do we bear one another's burdens? Well, I think we do it in three ways, in three ways. Now, whenever you hear, you've heard me say this before, whenever you hear us preachers say three ways or six ways or seven ways, there's probably 15 or 30 or 75 different ways. But I want to suggest to you that these are the three core ways in which we bear one another's burdens. Right? Well, the first one is this. We share the load. Number two. We identify with their hearts. And number three, we bring them to Jesus. We share their load. We identify with their hearts. And we bring them to Jesus. Now, the first one is obviously right here in the text, but the other two, I'm going to go to two other passages. But right here in the text, again, he says, 
bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, hang in there with me. I'm going someplace. The expression bear, B-E-A-R there, uh, in the Greek text, the New Testament was written in a language called Greek, Koine Greek, common Greek. In the, in the Greek New Testament, that word bear there is in the, is the present imperative. You say, what in the world does that mean? Well, it, it, it means this. It could have been translated, keep on bearing. Keep on bearing. But I think for our purposes today, uh, what, what, what Paul is saying is that this is what Christians do. This is, not, this is not a suggestion that he's given to us, a nice thing that we can do for other people who, who are within our circle or that we come in contact with or they're in our church there. It would be a kind, nice thing to do. No, what, what, what Paul is saying is this, the core to Christianity is sacrificial living. Core to Christianity is coming alongside and showing compassion and empathy and sharing the load with others. It is core to what it really means to be Christian. To not be compassionate is, is not to be consistently Christian. To be uncaring and self-centered is not Christian. The present imperative says, continue to bear one another's burdens. Keep doing it. Now, I, I got to be careful here, but I, I do want to say this. Um, I want to make a very strong observation here. Um, sometimes in our desire to make clear the gospel, we get away from, from the works. Now, you don't work to become a Christian, but we get away from the validation of works when it comes to Christianity. Illustration, Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says these words, searing words. He says these words. He says, now, on that great day, many will stand before me. And they're talking about all the great works, all the great things that they've done, all the great things that they've done in my name. And then Jesus says, I, I will say to them, depart from me because you never knew me. What do you mean, never knew you? Well, you, you didn't visit me in prison. You didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't, you, you didn't, you, you, you know, you didn't clothe me. And he said, well, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you in prison? And Jesus said, now get this. Inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. Now, what he's saying is that no, no, compassion is not necessary. You don't have to show compassion to become a Christian. Hear me on this. But I think what he is saying is that if you fail to show compassion, it might be evidence that you never were a Christian. And so when Paul says, continue to bear one another's burdens, I think implicit in that is a statement of identity. That this is what followers of Christ do. It's not just a suggestion. We do this because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. We do this because we've experienced his transforming love. And so we bear one another's burdens. And the other word there, burden, there is a Greek word, beros, B-A-R-O-S is the transliteration of it, beros. And it means heavy weight or stone that someone is required to carry for long distance. 
Now, I think it's a great figure of speech. Here you got this boulder that you're carrying for a long distance. And I think his readers understood what he was saying. You bear one another's burdens. You see somebody whose slumped, whose shoulders are slumped, and they look overwhelmed. Uh, they, you know, they, 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 there's a heaviness about them. You, you come alongside and you help lift that burden. Uh, you don't let them suffer alone. You see it. We've all seen that. What do you do? You come alongside. You say, look, this, this, this boulder's too heavy for you alone. That's why God sent the body. So let me, let, me, let me get up on this side of it and make it a little lighter for you. Bear one another's burdens. Now, I, I have to say here, there's a bit, little bit of a challenge. And uh, with this passage, sometimes when we quote Bible verses, uh, we just quote the verse and without dropping them in their context. It'll lead us to an unhealthy place. And I've seen a lot of people do that. They grab their favorite verse and they didn't read what it said before the verse and what it said after the verse. And so they're in a little theological, you know, fender bender because they, they didn't put it in this context. Keep this in mind when you're studying your Bible. Usually there are two thoughts you have to keep in mind, primary and secondary, primary and secondary, primary and secondary primary interpretation, a primary meaning, and a secondary meaning. The primary meaning of a text is what the author intended to say, what he was referring to, and almost always you get that by reading the context. Secondary application is true. What I just gave you is a secondary application of the text. The secondary application, figuratively speaking, is that whatever burden anybody has, we as believers should come alongside of. But I have to say here, the primary application of this passage is really given by the illustration in verse one. The context here. Now, verse one says, brothers or sisters, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What he's saying here, specifically the translation or the, the, the application of the text specifically has to, do, has to do with people who have fallen into sin, but they have repented and we're restoring them. And what, what, what he's saying here is that come alongside of people who have failed, but they're on their way back. Don't discard them. I got to tell you, our brand of Christianity, and I say this with some street cred along these lines, because I've been a Bible church dude for many, 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 many years. I'm one of us. But the legalism that sometimes eases its way into our brand of Christianity, we, we don't always do restoration well. We do punishment well. We, 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 do, we do getting people out of the way because they've embarrassed us well. But we don't always do restoration well. 
Now, when I talk about restoration here, I'm not talking about winking at sin. I think you all know me well enough by now. And the word of God is clear. Sin is hellacious. It's always wrong. There's never any justification for it. Sin must be dealt with. It's not funny to sweep it under the carpet. It's not funny to ignore it. It is damnable. It, it contaminates the work of God. And ultimately, we deal with sin not because we're trying to punish anybody and not because we're trying to play God. We deal with sin because we love one another and we want each other to be the very best that God has called us to be. So when a person has repented of sin, no matter what it is, in fact, the text says any, any fault, no matter what it is, A to Z, no matter what it is, if they have repented of that and they've been open, what we need to do is come alongside and help them to bear the burden to get back to health. In fact, the text says restore. That Greek word was used of, 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 of a fishing net that needed to be mended. It's also the word that was used of setting a bone. Why do you set a bone? Because you want to use that limb again. Why do you mend a fishing net? Because you want to use that net again. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be a place in which people are constantly being made whole. They're not being put in prison. When they've been open and honest about their failures and their shortcomings, they've walked in the light. Then we come alongside and we help to bear that load. And part of bearing that load is say, okay, you've gone through the process. You've received forgiveness. You've demonstrated the fruit of repentance. And I'm under that load with you. I will vouch for you. Bearing the load. That's what this text means primarily. And while I'm in it, I want to say a couple of words about legalism here. Because that's the context of the book of Galatians. And that's the reason why Paul put this here. Because there had been some legalistic Christians who had made their way. You, you, you know what a legalistic Christian is. They think their list of do's and don'ts is the 67th book of the Bible, Right? And they think performance is how you prove that you're godly and holy. Well, the problem with legalism is not sustainable. Legalists, by its very definition, they're hypocrites. They're disingenuous because they can't do that in the energy of the flesh. And legalistic Christians are not interested in bearing burdens. They add to the burdens of others. In fact, that's what Jesus said to his favorite target group of legalists, the Pharisees back over in Matthew 23, verse 4. Listen to these uh, very direct words. He says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. I've been around people like that. See, nothing reveals the wickedness of legalism better than the way legalists treat those who have sinned. And their favorite statement is when someone has sinned, oh, you see, they lost their testimony. God can't use them anymore. Who said? Well, God couldn't use Peter based upon your, what you just said. So again, what I'm trying to say here is by the primary application of the text Figuratively, we ought to bear one another's burdens no matter what it is. But especially those who have, who have sinned and they've made mistakes. Now, love is not permissive. 
where there's, there's love, where we help one another because we also realize that we are sinners and but for the grace of God, we would do anything anybody else does. And we help to restore them. Okay. The second part of the verse says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? Well, he said it over here in chapter five. I think this is what Paul is referring to. The law of Christ is what he, he mentioned here in chapter five, beginning at verse 13. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. You have it. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. He, here, here he's quoting from uh, uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, summarizing that is verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is a context of love. And again, I've been saying this about almost all of these one another, that when people come within your orbit, when people come close to you, when they come close to me, what they ought to feel is the love of Jesus and not condemnation. So that's what he's saying, you, you bear one another's burdens. What's the motivation? The love of Christ. I don't bear your burden because it's some obligation to me. No, I need you to bear mine. I bear your burden because I love you. We love each other. And by the way, our personal identification with need and failure is a powerful motivation to love and compassion. I would refer you back to the last part of verse 1 that says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. See, people who bear the burdens of others have great spiritual self-awareness. They have great spiritual self-awareness. They do it because they are aware. They are aware of how fragile all of us really are. That what you're struggling with may not be my issue right now, but I had one, I have one, and I will have another one. So they realize that. So how do you bear one another's burdens? Number one, you share the load. Crawford Loretz here on Living a Legacy. Sharing the load is the first of three ways we're to bear one another's burdens as found in our study. And next week, we'll look at the other two. We identify with their hearts and we bring them to Jesus. This is all part of the series, Better Together, the One Another's of the New Testament. Has the series been helpful so far? If so, let us know. A brief email will help assure us that God is using Crawford's teaching in your walk with Jesus Christ. And tell us if you listen online or on radio. Connect through our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Look for the Contact Us link. Now, if you missed out on some of the messages in this Better Together series, look for the Past Programs link on our website. 
You'll be able to stream these and many of Crawford's other messages over the past several weeks. We realize it's not always possible to join us each week, so our online stream is a great way to keep up in the study, and you can listen when it's most convenient for you. Again, stop by livingalegacy.org. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for being part of our study today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.